Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Matters, a show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall. I'll be your moderator for our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative, and together we work with organizations to help them to transform themselves in the present so they might better prepare their organizations for a more successful future. Today we're going to have a round-robin discussion with three participants from the Alliance's recent Executive Leadership Institute. With me today as guest panelist is my good friend Rihanna Absar. Welcome, Rihanna. It's good to have you with us here today. Would you introduce yourself to our audience, please? Gladly, Tom. Um, I'm very excited to um, be on the show today. Um, I'm Rihanna Absar, and I'm the Senior Associate for Knowledge, Leadership, and Innovation here at the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities. And um, I primarily work with the Center on Leadership, which really works alongside um, leaders in the sector to move the nonprofit humans uh, service organizations to be high impact. So I'm looking forward to the discussion today. Beautiful. So am I. Today we're going to have a three-segment series of conversations with three special guests, George Wynn, Mer Otis, and Melissa Ludington. We'll ask each of our special guests to share their biggest takeaways on change leadership from their recent Eli gathering. We'll also ask them to share how they plan to apply those lessons in their work and to talk with us a little bit about the unique nature of change leadership. And then, after each special guest has their own segment, we'll ask them all to join us for a final segment where they'll have an opportunity to offer a thought or two on change leadership for other leaders in our field. The first of our three special guests is George Wynn. George, it's great to have you with us today. Would you please introduce yourself to our radio audience? Thank you for having me. George Wynn, I'm the Chief Operations Officer from the Children's Center in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I've been in this particular position at the Children's Center now for about nine years and in the field for about 30. Um, currently, our, at our agency, we provide services to kids from age birth all the way up to 17. We're about a $25 million operation and provide an array of behavioral health, child welfare, um, and after-school programming to about 8,000 kids each day. Wow. That's an incredible series of responsibilities you have on your shoulder, George. George, what were your major takeaways from the Eli gathering on change leadership? You know, it it seems just like yesterday that um, I actually was sitting there in class absorbing a, a lot of information. And when I think back to some of the takeaways, the first thing I would really like to say, it is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to um, certainly um, open your mind, stretch, stretch your brain, and tease out some thoughts and different aspects. The, the thing that I, I took away was it provided a great different lens for me to hear from different thought leaders um, in the field um, and professionals. 
Um, so that gave me a different understanding and understanding that there's no real or right way to move things. It's different, and you have to be um, open to change. Um, I also took away the value of the mission and really having passion for what you do because this is heavy lifting work. So to have that passion and understanding of what our task is and our responsibility is, is really enormous. You also have to have a lot of thought and be planful and strategic. I think that's very important as you move forward. I also took away the importance of analyzing and understanding data and watching trends because nothing stays the same. And because our field is moving so fast, you have to be prepared, prepared to look at the data and also the ability to take risk. Oh, that's a very good point. You have to be able to take risks. Good question to ask as a follow-up to that, George, is how do we determine what risks are reasonable for us to take? When you think about risk, I look at risk from a systemic view in terms of, as I said, providing you know those services to 8,000 clients every year. What I look at it is how can I improve the outcomes that and the challenges that are facing children and families. And I look at that from terms of what's going to move that needle and what's the biggest bang for a buck in changing mm-hmm. systemic things. Because I think that you can make small or grab low-hanging fruit, but mm-hmm. if we're going to really shake the system up, we have to do something big and have to do something daring, all with the goal in mind of making a difference in the lives of children and families. Sure. That's beautiful. You, you spent time at Eli, and you looked at the whole idea of change leadership, and you just introduced the importance of thinking things through so you can bring about some systemic changes. Well, how difficult do you think it's going to be for you to apply the lessons that you were picking up at Eli in your work every day? I, I, when I think about going back to my job and implementing the, the, some of the things that, that I've learned, I have to take a look and say, what one area can I make a huge impact on? And then making sure that as I do that, I want to be strategic and having conversation with the other members of our organization, the leadership, and having a very, um, I would say, supportive CEO. My CEO, Deborah Matthews, is extremely su- supportive and allows me the autonomy to really do some things. So, so that's how I believe I can do it. It's just stepping back, getting out of that day-to-day stuff for a moment to just reflect, reflect on what I need to do to move that needle forward. And here's an example. One of the things that I also took away from Eli was the project. And we had to do a, a project in terms of doing something that's going to have a significant impact within our mm-hmm. field. And what yeah. I selected was the importance of engaging fathers or fatherhood. Because what I recognize is one of the things that certainly is out there in that family unit, but the importance of dad and empowering fathers to be a part of that natural system makes a difference in the lives of children. So I began to move that process along, and I think that that will have a systemic change, not only in how fathers respond, but how we view productive fathers as well. Yes, many suggest that that kind of initiative not only makes a difference today, but it's a generational impact. And, and I would agree. And, and that's when you talk about, you know, um, change leadership. It's mm-hmm. not about the small things. It's about a big shift in thinking and thought process. And for whatever reason, as simple as that may seem, 
that's a huge psychological shift because truly in our field, what we tend to do is, and certainly in mental behavior health, when dads show up to bring their children in along with the, the mom, the person who we really express or go to is the mom. And we sometimes sure. look at dad to stand in the background, so mm-hmm. he doesn't feel as though he's valued in that process. So if we can shift that psychologically, then I think we can bring those fathers back to the forefront and having a bigger impact in terms of um, positive impact on their kids and their lives. Outstanding. You offered an idea about change leadership that basically says you look at the field in front of you and you try to figure out how something you could do would change the quantum, the dynamic of what's happening. So how do you see change leadership as being really different from regular everyday leadership? Um, When I think about it, you know, leadership in general, and I think about the leaders today compared to change leadership, the first things that come to mind is the good leaders historically have all had a plan, but they've dealt more so in the day-to-day fires in terms of let me put out that fire, let me lead through that initial change. But what change leadership is about is making a bigger impact. It's really the engine behind the process of moving things forward, and I want to be that catalyst, that engine that fine-tunes that process, makes it run faster and more efficient. And that's just looking at that family unit as I'm describing it and taking what we have but making it work harder, making it work better, and making it be more efficient in order to have positive outcomes. Beautiful. Can you give me some other thoughts that you had? Obviously, your fatherhood initiative, very important, very big idea. Have you had any thoughts of other big ideas that would be connected to change leadership since you left the, uh, the time at Eli? Um, another huge idea that I had is the value and the power of technology. Mm-hmm. Now, technology and innovation is huge. So as we look at technology and how it is moving modern, modern society today, you have to ask the question, how will technology be used in our field and how will it impact our field? Now, I've looked at technology from the view of um, telemedicine and telepsychiatry, and what I sure. know is... Families are using email and social media more so than ever before. There's families who can now go online, dial up their doctor, have the opportunity to be examined over Skype or the Internet, and then they determine whether or not they need to come into the office or go somewhere else. If I think about that dynamic, that means that I need to begin to think about how we will treat families and children in the near future. Technology is going to drive that process, and then I've got to also look at data in terms of demographics and staffing to see where we're headed and what is going on in that demographic shift in our community, and that's going to drive also our workforce and what's needed to build and sustain a different way of providing services. Excellent, excellent point. You know, so so many folks that I have talked to say that, You know, there are different dynamics in the delivery of urban services and rural services. And most of America remains rural, and it's very, very hard to access services. And so many have suggested that a big systemic change could very well be the introduction of technology to allow everybody to access what folks often can only access in urban areas. Thoughts about that? 
the issue of access and transparency and access to services is huge. Families are telling us um, how they communicate um, with technology today more so than ever before. I think about this from the Dateline services where people can go online and be matched up with dates. Now, Mm -hmm. traditional clinical service would say, I've got to establish eye contact. I've got to establish um, some type of engagement process. If families and people can make engagement based on the response time that they're getting over an Internet or email, they surely can make engagement contact via that process as well. So we need to be open to how families are telling us how they want to do business and that because of their busy lives and issues with transportation in certain areas, they don't have that opportunity. So you've got to be able to bring that service to meet the needs of those children and families and do it using the resources that are available. Beautiful. Good thoughts. Last question. Do you believe that everyone can be a change leader, or do you think it's something special for a select few? I think that everyone has an innate ability to be a leader, and they possess certain skills of leaders. I don't think that everybody can be a change leader. And I say that because I think growing up, and certainly in my community, um, boys boys wanted to play professional sports. And we all mm-hmm. dreamed of being that professional athlete. But in reality, only a handful of us, full of us, could actually be a professional athlete. And only a short amount of us would be the next Michael Jordan. So I look at change leadership a little bit different. Everyone can't do it, but it takes a special group with all those skill sets necessary to be successful. Thanks, George. Appreciate all your thoughts. We'll be back after a brief break. Please stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays for our special series on transforming your business. Learn how to become the transformation leader who looks ahead to the next wave of innovation on transforming your business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Well, we're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with us today as guest panelist is Rihanna Absar. We spoke in the last segment with George Wynn. In this segment, we'll have a chance to hear from our second special guest, Mer Otis. Mer, welcome. Would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Good afternoon, Tom. I'm delighted to be here. Um, my role with Easter Seals Blake Foundation here in the beautiful Sonoran Desert is as Chief Compliance Officer for one of the largest nonprofit organizations in the region. We have approximately 900 employees. We serve about 16,000 clients a year across a broad spectrum of social services that include behavioral health, child welfare, and developmental disabilities. Wow. That's 16,000. That's a lot of service delivery. Congratulations. Indeed. Thanks. Well, what were your major takeaways from the Eli gathering on change leadership? Well, Tom, to condense that into just a few minutes is a really difficult task, but uh, <laughs> upon some reflection, what I really took away um, were two powerful things. One is that the only mistake is not doing something. Good. And the second is that the power of change lies in the power of relationships. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's excellent. Talk to me more about that, especially about relationships. Absolutely. Well, my, my background, I've been in this field for coming up on 30 years, and I originally started as a therapist. So my, my history and my background is really in about forging relationships, relationships and empowering people in those relationships. And what I really heard and felt at ELI was that leadership is not an isolationist activity. And that in order to move change and to be the force behind change, every relationship contributes something to that greater whole. And Mm -hmm. that every day when I meet people, whether it's over lunch like I did today or whether it's with a direct service worker in a hallway somewhere, or even if it's I meet a board member on a sidewalk somewhere, all those relationships are significant and the way I present and represent myself in each one of those brings something good or has the power to bring something good and to empower change in the organization. Sure does. When you try to bring about change in an organization, often you cause a lot of things to happen. What kinds of things have you seen, Mer, that happen in an organization when you try to introduce change dynamics? Well, one of the uh, the very interesting things is when I returned, um, I wanted to really start um, bringing forth a data-informed and data-driven culture. Being the large organization that we are, we're very siloed in four distinct divisions that have very different cultures. But across all of those, as we move forward, we need to start relying on data in a different way. So I have, um, in the short time I've been back from ELI, revamped our QMQI collective into uh, a cross-section of the organization to begin 
educating, first and foremost, educating people about data, giving people the language for how to talk about data, and introducing this idea of a collective quality movement that has at its core um, a universal goal across all divisions. So right now we have about 20 people in that group. There is a lot of... um, hesitance about was this just going to be another initiative here at Blake Foundation that was going to fall by the wayside because we got distracted by some other project. But in fact, what I have discovered in the past couple weeks is um, what I would call a real hunger to learn more. It's almost as though um, people have been waiting for this kind of strategic direction to help them operationalize and move their practices forward. So while it's been disruptive on one hand because it's something new, it also has, um, I think, set a fire uh, under some people um, in a way for them to now look at a a system-wide platform for really bringing about change in the organization. Outstanding. You know, the the leading accreditation bodies uh, across this country have really been focusing on getting all of our organizations to see how important it is to allow uh, critical data analysis to drive our decision-making processes. That seems absolutely. to be at the center of what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's imperative at this time for us because this fall we're moving into an enormous um, brand-new initiative with one of our funders that is challenging us to step into a world that is primarily data-driven and population management driven by data. Mm-hmm. And while there is, there is some hesitation about do we really have capacity to do that, we're taking a calculated risk and we're moving forward with it. And it's just it's a very exciting time for us. I can imagine why it would be. A, a question I'd like to ask that is kind of connected to your mm-hmm. big idea that you presented for your organization Do you believe that a leader needs to get permission from their staff to act as a change leader? And if so, how do you go about getting that permission? And if not, why do you not think that that's an important part of change leadership? Um, That's a a really interesting question, and I I would think about that word permission is what I hone in on, um, because that seems counterintuitive to me when I think of leadership. So I would differentiate permission from buy-in. Sure. I think that that leaders need to be self-aware, they need to take risks, they need to be informed, but they don't necessarily need to obtain permission, per se, from people before they begin to implement their change. And I say that only because um, leadership demands um, an interesting marriage of um, what I'm going to call courage, um, the self-awareness I referenced, the risk-taking, and then really effective communication. So when you put those four components together, I think permission falls by the wayside because you start to model the way to be a leader, and people are drawn to that. They see what um, those characteristics put into action can affect and what they can make happen. So I think leaders step into the unknown without permission, and then they get buy-in by simply modeling the way to be out there in the unknown, how to make sense of ambiguity, how to create organization, how to plan, how to strategize, all those qualities that come with effective leadership. Well, in the earlier discussion with George, he was really talking about sometimes you lead 
and sometimes you're engaging in change leadership. And he was imagining them as being somewhat different. And how do our staff know whether what we're providing is regular leadership or true, as George was saying, systemically based change leadership? I I would say that for for myself only, there is no difference between those two things. That my place, that the place that I hold as a leader is to bring about change in every moment that I am gifted with that role. And that my purpose as a leader is to bring forth change, to elicit it from every person, from every system, from every process that I see. While it may not be something that goes up on a whiteboard or it has a PowerPoint to describe it, I'm affecting change in every moment that I act as a leader. Oh, that's a fascinating concept. I need to explore that just a bit more. Um, Do you also expect that of other leaders that work with you? I don't say that I expect it because my expectation on myself is where it belongs. Would I love to see it in them? Absolutely. How do I get it from them? By modeling what it looks like. And one of the things that George was positing is that it's very possible that all leaders simply are not wired to be also change leaders. What, do you have thoughts about that? Uh, yes, I do. And I would say that I differ from George in my aspect of, about leadership or my thinking about leadership because I think it's an innate quality that people have that you're either born a leader or you're not. And I'm sure that there, there would be other folks who would make the nature-nurture argument that the environment can create a leader, but my fundamental belief is that it's a characteristic that you come here with. Good. Now, one of the things that I hear you suggesting is that leaders build teams and the teams take on a character. And if the prime leader is a change leader, then the team can take on change leadership characteristics almost by osmosis. Well, how important do you believe that it is for a change leader to have a team to help to introduce and manage change in organizations? Having a team is critical and goes back to my comment about isolation, and I don't I don't. Know quite understand for myself how I could ever be a leader in isolation. I need a team. Otherwise, I become a dictator and I breed tyranny, which breeds resentment and hostility and all those other wonderful things that go along with that. So I think you must have, you must have a team and that the modeling of particular leadership characteristics, people are drawn to those things. I've seen it replicated here in my own organization. I'll just give you an example. A young man who um, was charged with a residential home and seeing that commented to me that he had never had any real direction about how to be a supervisor. He was thrust into that role without a field guide for how to do certain things, those soft skills that we don't really teach people in supervision, how to navigate the politics, how to navigate the culture, how to navigate the environment. What do I do when I need to like ask for help in a way I've never asked for it before? So he, he indicated to me that he had become empowered watching me, watching what I do in order to be able to come forth and put those ideas out to a larger group of people inside the quality collective 
and realized that other people were feeling the same way. So I think what has happened there is that dynamic of people seeing something, they want to be a part of it, and then they start to emulate it and they carry it forward. So I think those kinds of teams then generate their own change leaders and the system starts to perpetuate itself and roll out. And hopefully over time you'd have a whole organization that would be full of change leaders. Well, I think that that's a wonderful idea that I'd like to explore just a little bit. If we go through the process of, in effect, preparing many of our staff to eventually become change leaders, what kinds of experiences should we be offering to staff so that we can begin to develop, if you will, the patterns of thought that successfully support change leadership? One of the things that I think is really critical is to have open book management in every aspect of the organization so that people who are in a succession planning line are invited to come to executive meetings, to board meetings, to other division meetings to see and be exposed to as many different processes as they can possibly to build their own world of knowledge and extract those parts that they find most beneficial to propelling organizational development and organizational change. Good ideas, Mer. Thanks so much for sharing them. We need to take a short break. We'll be right back. Great. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tom Wall. Brianna Absar is our guest panelist. 
We spoke last segment with Mer Otis. She offered some fascinating ideas. And now we have a chance to welcome our third special guest, Melissa Luddington. Melissa, would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, my name is Melissa Luddington, and I am the Vice President of Child Welfare Services at Children's Home and Aid in Illinois. We're a $62 million statewide agency, and we provide about 70 services in 60 different counties and serve about 40,000 children, youth, and families each year. Oh, my goodness. That's large. It's good to have you with us, Melissa. We're really looking forward to uh, gathering your wisdom. Would you share your major takeaways from the Eli gathering on change leadership? I have lots of same reflections that were shared by both George and Mayor as well. You know, certainly thinking about being data-driven, the use of technology, taking risks. One of the things that building a little bit on what they talked about is the idea of inclusion and while we did some work in the Eli specifically thinking about inclusion in terms of demographics and age and skill sets and things like that, I'm bringing it back in a much broader sense, speaking a little bit to some of the stuff Mayor talked to and the, the idea of really being inclusive in leadership and inclusive in strategic planning and in really leading change within the organization. Sure, that, that idea that, that Mayor offered about uh, opening up meetings so that those who are interested in being exposed to different ideas can get them quite naturally, that was a fascinating idea. And so my, and what I'm bringing back as part of my project is really we're trying to focus some work in our foster care program, looking at being a much more inclusive programming, which means really opening it up to both of our foster parents, our stakeholders, our direct line staff, and really having them help uh, envision what changes that need to be happening in the program and lead that direction. Um, and even just in the last few weeks, it's been really enlightening to have that kind of feedback of things that people see as working and things that need to uh, be improved. Well, you know, in the area of change leadership, folks say one of the fundamental principles is people best support that which they help to create. And that's, you know, something that I tend to be uh, more willing to take the lead and have followers, and this is a new challenge for me, really, to be much more inclusive and really to slow down. I tend to be very willing to take risks and to move out quickly, and so this taking a slower pace, taking some time to step back and let some other folks really guide the process is, is a new challenge for me. Well, Melissa, one of the things that I wanted to ask is, as you've thought about change leadership, do you find yourself seeing yourself as a change leader really just very naturally? I mean, do you just see that that's, that's a part of your self-image and identity and you're very comfortable in it, or is that something that you feel you have to work on? You know what, it's, I, I probably have a different answer now coming back from Eli. Prior to it, I would say absolutely it comes very natural to me. I am very comfortable taking risks uh, and, and really guiding initiatives and thinking a little differently and really trying to engage staff to get them on board with whatever direction we're going in. Um, but going back to this idea of inclusion, that doesn't come as naturally to me. And so that really is a different way of thinking about my own leadership skills and really making me a change leader to take that time and engage other folks in the process rather mm -hmm. than just leading them down a path. So in what ways have you thought beyond the foster care experience that you referenced? In what ways have you thought about how you want to be more inclusive, really 
since you got back from Eli? What kinds of ideas have you had about, yeah, we could do this or we could do that to become more inclusive? Much more, actually, because we're such a large organization, unfortunately, we function quite a bit in silos within our own organization. And so a lot of this work is even leading to trying to break down some of those natural barriers and really get staff more inclusive both in programming, which allows our clients to benefit from the multiple services that are available, but also to think a little differently about shared knowledge. And so it means that somebody in early childhood would really have a lot to offer to come and provide training or just share some experience with, say, our foster care or family preservation staff. And it's just not a way that we've really thought before. We tended to be pretty focused in our particular areas of expertise. How about the whole idea that was being offered about gathering, sharing, analyzing data and allowing that to drive uh, our decision-making processes? Do you think that that is by itself inclusive? Um, You know, by itself, I do not think it is, but we have actually engaged in a process to try to open that up. In fact, we've stepped into a process as an organization where we do a lot of data sharing, but we've only done it again within our own programs, and we have now opened it up and so that we do present data on outcomes across programs, invite people to come in, folks that don't know anything about that programming, to talk about that data, ask questions, and certainly it gives a different perspective so the folks that are living and breathing in that program every day really get asked different questions and have a different perspective about thinking how they do things and even what the data is telling them. Good. What about the idea that Mayor was was offering about trying to create opportunities where emerging leaders can experience being a part of the team and thinking in a different way. Is that something that you think you can bring to your organization or would be worthy of considering as a part of the whole inclusion idea you were talking about? Very much so. And I think that's something that whether we're thinking about it strategically as terms of succession planning or even just creating leaders in our field, which are really desperately needed, I think there are many opportunities to do that. And and I've probably missed some in the past to be able to give that to my staff. And I I really see this as a different opportunity now of making sure that people are more inclusive and that my role is is their coach instead of their leader and many opportunities to give them that experience. Good. Now, George talked about uh, change leadership as being something that everyone may not choose to be involved in. And Mayor said, you know, everybody really can be a change leader. Do you believe that there is a difference between everyday normal leadership and change leadership? You know, I do. I I do agree with George. I think there are some folks that are more naturally inclined uh, to be leaders of projects, of tasks, of directives, rather than being more of a change leader. I think it can be fostered in people. And, you know, even down to the level, again, of our direct service staff, I really hope that they see themselves as change leaders with the families that they're working with and that we're taking it down not just from the leaders of our organization, but that we can get the same philosophy penetrating down to that level because that's really what they're doing with these families. They're really change agents with these families, and they really can function in that same way working with these families. Well, George had talked about how important it is when we are acting as change leaders to be able to think systemically, to imagine ways that we can bring about change, and I think that the phrase that I was using, that could have multi-generational impact. Have you had any of those kinds of thoughts since uh, the time that you spent uh, with Eli? 
Um, I, definitely systemic wise, absolutely. And so, I, and actually, I'm, I'm conflicted a little bit on my project for this reason. So, we uh, really thinking in the ideas, as I'm saying about breaking some of the silos within our own organization. I, I really think that's a model that we would want to share with the field and thinking about because, again, families have multi-service needs and they should be able to, to benefit from those and the shared knowledge. And, and so I'm really hoping that some of the work we're doing here really will influence the whole entire system that are working with some of the same uh, clients with the same needs. Good. If, if I was to merge a couple of George's ideas and a couple of Murr's ideas and was, was to ask you, if you were going to pull together some training to help folks that were day-to-day leaders, but you thought might have the potential to develop into change leaders, what kind of things would you want to expose them to uh, so that you could find out whether they were really interested in becoming change leaders? Any ideas on that? Yeah, one of my inclinations is a lot of that systemic uh, exposure. And so getting outside of their day-to-day activities, whether it would be at a policy level of things that impact our work, but also thinking about uh, budget implications, fundraising opportunities, just really giving them exposure to different things to see if there's particular areas that would sort of spark some interest, maybe are a little catalyst to make them think about some changes that might be something they were interested in pursuing. Um, but mostly it's really just in my mind about giving them exposure to a lot of things that they might not otherwise have access to. And one of the things that we talked about earlier was uh, the whole idea of building teams. Uh, it seems to be critically important uh, to the whole dynamic of change leadership. Uh, is that something that you feel uh, could be an important part of uh, the change leadership uh, that you can bring to your organization, beginning to talk about team formation, helping folks to build teams, uh, and then looking to get the collective energy of the team to help to propel uh, the change process within the organization? Any of that work for you? I think that's all fantastic. I don't think I'm there yet as a leader to be the one to, to help that, but I really believe in it. And I do think it's an area that I would want to work on and help my organization on because I do think it is so critical. Um, I think, and again, I go back to some of the coaching examples that we used at Eli and really thinking about how we develop our staff and how we develop our future leaders. I think that's a good way of building that team and thinking through that process and how people work, but I, I, I don't know that I'm there yet. Well, what about areas where you are there that you might bring your natural change leadership thought processes to your organization? What might be some areas uh, that you might think, you know, I think that we ought to give some consideration to this or to that. What kinds of thoughts may have been stimulated by Eli that you actually would think would be worthy for you to invest your energy into bringing to your organization? 
I think actually one of the examples Mayor shared tied to uh, in a supervisor example. I think that is a definite area in our organization that is that is lacking. Our supervisors often are great frontline staff that get promoted, and we bypass training them on supervising rather than how to do their job. And so they don't learn a lot of the how to supervise, how to support, how to, again, develop future leaders on their own team. And I think that's something that would be a very worthwhile investment of our agency. Outstanding. Thanks so much, Melissa. We'll be back for a wrap-up after this brief break. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264 or send an email to dr white her email address is dr white at innovisions.org innovisions is a social enterprise of the neighborhood house association of san diego california funds raised go to support the neighborhood house association's mission developing children families and future leaders of our communities through empowerment education and wellness What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. I'm Tom Wall. With me as guest panelist is Rihanna Absar. We've heard from George Wynn, Mer Otis, and Melissa Lundington. And now we reach the segment of every episode where our special guests have an opportunity to offer words of advice for the field. In this case, those words of wisdom will be about change leadership. George, would you please lead us off and offer a thought on change leadership that you think maybe folks in the field might want to consider? Um, I sure will, Tom. When when I think about, you know, um, some nuggets that I can leave um, our audience and future leaders, there's about six components that I would say are necessary skills to take it to the next level. The first one is having a low level of anxiety. And what I mean by having a low level of anxiety, it really means to be that calming effect in the midst of the storm 
Someone mm-hmm. has to be able to have that leadership ability to stay calm and guide them through. You have to have emotional stability. You can't be a leader whose emotions run all over the course of the day or you're up and you're down. You have to be able to have control of your emotional energy. You have to be action-oriented. You've got to be in a position where you're willing to take a stance and willing to move forward and not just wait and process. You also have to have confidence, confidence in your own ability, but confidence in your team and confidence in the ability to teach and develop others. I think you have to also be open and be transparent. Be willing to be bold and take that opportunity to share and communicate effectively. And last, I think you have to have some risk tolerance. You have to be bold enough to take a stand to go out and do. Beautiful. Good. Thank you, George. Murr, it's your turn. Thanks, Tom. Um, Beautifully stated, George. I think um, the only pieces that I would add to that are um, the change leaders require an inventive mindset. They require an innovative mindset when they look at solutions for their organizations that, as change leaders, we move out beyond the status quo. That's our norm. We step into the darkness boldly with courage to effect change. The other thing that I would add, to is we have a lot to learn from the for-profit sector to help us move out of our, what I call the missionary mindset about it's okay to be uh, in poverty, it's okay to stay in poverty, that that's not necessarily okay. That's a myth we've been perpetuating in our field for a really long time, and I think we need to partner uh, with the corporate world and understand some of the really valuable practices that they have and bring those into our sector now. Beautiful. Melissa, what thoughts on change leadership do you want to ask the field to consider? I agree with everything that's just been said. One thing that I would also add is that I think there's um, one of the things that I learned a lot from Eli is the benefit of taking time to slow down, think, reflect, and plan. And often in this field, we are crisis-driven, and we're going from one situation to another, and we don't take that time to really be strategic in our risk-taking or strategic in our actions. And this just having a week to do that was a great reminder that in the long run, that is that just re- the rewards are so worth it. Fantastic. Thank you. Rihanna, need to hear from you. You think about change leadership all the time. I do. Share some thoughts with us. Um, Yeah, you know, I think um, to ensure that organizations are high impact, our job at the Center on Leadership, we're really trying to work with leaders to kind of um, display all the different traits and characteristics and that um, George Mayer and Melissa discussed um, in the past hour, we you know we think, believe that to be a real change leader and not just a change manager, um, to go beyond being transactional, to be really transformational, being innovative, um, being a risk taker, and knowing the balance between you know when things are urgent and also just as Melissa said, when to slow down and reflect, and um, you know be able to really influence change. And I think a huge thing too is to engage your organization. You know. With, we look at leadership at all levels, and everybody's doing work that's really trying to change, um, you know, limit, uh, alleviate poverty in our world. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that's been said, and I think it's been a really great discussion. Well, I think it has been, too. Uh, I suppose that the, a question that I just opened to everyone is, 
what can we do to help folks to demystify change leadership so that folks are not scared of being a change leader? Any thoughts? Um, when I think about it initially, I think that the first thing that we can do is certainly communicate communicate the difference of or, or what the definition is of a change leader and then over-communicate that. And then I think, as Mayor said and Melissa said, we have to also give people an opportunity to try the skill set and also be the coach to support them to try. Even when they fall down, we have to be that support. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Others. I would, I would uh, echo what George has just said, that the invitation the invitation to the relationship between the individual and their own capacity to be a change leader is where the magic will happen. And I would add same, similarly the same idea is that we give permission for people to take those opportunities, uh, to not be afraid to take those risks, and give them the space to, to, tr- to try. Now, I, asked, I used the word permission in one of my questions with Murr. And it's because that concept comes up so frequently in my discussions. When I talk with staff, so often they say to me, I need to know whether someone is providing regular leadership or whether they are providing change leadership. And many staff suggest that sometimes they get surprised when they don't realize they're in a change leadership situation and they feel, whoa, somebody just did a sleight of hand on me. I thought we were talking about evolutionary change and this is not evolutionary on me at all. Thoughts and reactions about that. No, I would go back to, to my, uh, my original position, which is that everybody is a change leader. There is no distinction between regular leadership and change leadership. My thought is that re- what we're calling regular leadership is just management, and there's mm-hmm. a significant difference between management and leadership. All leaders are change leaders. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. thoughts? I, I agree with everyone has um, the ability to be a leader. Um, I think that Depending on your role, you can have a change or make a significant impact. But as you move up on the ladder, you're moving out of individual or initiatives to looking at a change from a systemic view. And I think that's the Mm -hmm. big piece or change for me. But I certainly believe that everyone has the opportunity. Um, I don't know if it's – and I think you also need to communicate when you're talking about permission. I think that Mm -hmm. we want to invite people so that they understand we're allowing that innovativeness and creativity to come out, and it's not being punished. I think that's a very, very, very good point, and then a very important point. Um, sometimes um, we do generously use the term permission because we have the power, and we talk about empowering those beneath us and in effect giving them permission, but sometimes we don't think about the fact that those that are going to have to be very involved in this change process with us, maybe they do have some say in this. Now, some of this is using different words, understood. But the fact of the matter is, staff tell me that they would like to be asked 
to be a part of this, and they would like to be able to have a say as to whether or not, in effect, systemic change is going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that they truly have yes and no on it, but to be able to engage around the ideas is a fundamental part, in many people's opinion, of change leadership. And being able to engage before a decision's made for some is considered to be very important. Thoughts on that? I, I would completely agree with that, and that goes back to my point about inclusion. And mm-hmm. similarly, though, I think because of a hierarchy and, and it goes to that word of permission, maybe the, permission isn't the right word, but it's um, allowing folks to fail. I mean, we, ha- we have to let our staff, if they're trying to take some kind of initiative, if they're trying to be a change leader, they recognize that sometimes we have to fail up. And so they may try things that don't successfully, aren't successfully implemented or uh, don't get the outcomes that we achieve. But we, we allow that. That's okay. Very good idea. Other thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree with I what really Melissa said. I was going to call it fail, I do too. fail forward as opposed to fail up but that a life is all about an experiment and becoming a change leader is a huge experiment for me. I know, you know, coming up in this field, it was challenging to become a leader, but once you find your place, you're in it. So it was the, it was the invitation to uh, step into that role that really helped me become the leader that I am today. I certainly agree with what Melissa and Maria said. I think that um, a gentle nudge from someone who, uh, a mentor of mine, decided and said, you know what, I'm going to support you and encourage you and I believe in you. Mm-hmm. And those were the keys or that permission or the ability that I knew I had, the opportunity to fill up. And we've got to encourage and coach people up as well. Beautiful. Well, we've run out of time for this episode, but we sure would like to thank, thank our guest panelists, Rihanna Absar, yeah, and boy, special thanks, thanks to our guests from the Alliance's uh, Executive Leadership Institute, George Wynn, Murr Otis, and Melissa Ludington. Gosh, thanks to all of you for joining us as well. This has been Leadership Matters. Until next time, take care. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.